Tonight is Wednesday, December 2nd, 2020. It's the week 13 preview of the Fantasy Finish Line podcast. It's crunch time. Welcome to the show. Hello out there in YouTube land and anyone who's listening to it after the fact is a podcast. We appreciate your... Uh, they can be watching after the fact too. Sure, you can You can consume our show any way you like. We appreciate it any anyhow. How are you doing tonight, Jason? I am well, Dave. He's, they sound like a robot over there. I'm thrown off. I am fine, thank you. <laughs> this is the Fantasy Finish Line podcast uh, from drink5.com. And I am Jason Evans, joined as always by David Biggs. Dave, cheers, buddy. Oh, he has a routine he wants to do, I, I see. Well, it's a thing that we do. We introduce ourselves to the people. Mm. Because there's new people all the time. If it was always the same people, they'd be boring. Yeah. We want new people. And so it's a Steelers day, Dave. How are you feeling about the Steelers today? What's a Steelers day? It's a day when the Steelers play. Oh. And a good Steelers day is a day when the Steelers win. I um, guess I guess we can give them credit for a win today. Yeah, sure. We did fine. I mean, obviously, all the stuff going on between the Steelers and the and the Baltimore Ravens, all the players that were missing, Marquise Pouncey in particular as the center for the Steelers, uh, a guy who's been there forever, uh, has really thrown off the team. Not to mention the fact that they were supposed to play a couple of different times and didn't do any of those dates. Yeah. Uh, instead, moved to Wednesday afternoon so that we could all watch the the tree lighting at Rockefeller Center. Oh yes, that's going on right now. I hope that uh, <laughs> I hope that you're all done with your tree lighting and that uh, everyone else has lit their own tree and that they're ready to get lit on a podcast. Well, I appreciate the people that are tuned in now instead of watching the. Why did tree we lighting. not get a little tree to light up? Well, I mean, like, light on fire? That's the kind of thing I'd like to do. Pyrotechnics in the studio. In the Yes, in the studio. That sounds safe. Anyway, shall we say that the Steelers and the Ravens both were uh, a little unwieldy at best uh, as far as fantasy production? Steelers, and refresh my memory, I just spent an hour scrubbing my brain with an SOS pad to forget uh, basically 2.40 to 6 o'clock mm. from today. Well, I did, I did enjoy uh, watching Juju have a pretty good game. Uh, you saw, uh, again, how Deontay Johnson keeps getting a ton of targets. So those are some, some of the reinforced uh, uh, fantasy things that, that we saw. Yes, this was the kind of game where a pretty good game was 39 yards. <laughs> touchdown. <laughs> a touchdown in eight receptions. So he racked up some counting stats. Good for Juju. But yes, the, the statistics there, how the teams were performing was pretty poor. And I think we're ready to, like you said, uh, scrub your brain, uh, throw it in the garbage can, burn the tape. Uh, I don't think that either team was up to spec or we should really even spend any more time discussing the performance. Yeah, they were all clearly thrown off by the change in schedule. And hopefully that doesn't happen too much, but I assume it will yeah. before the end of the season. So tonight... We are going to break down some waiver wires because of the game today. In most leagues that I'm aware of, all the waiver wires got pushed back 24 hours. So that means that tonight you're going to have to make waiver wire picks. Um, I just realized I'm going to have to do that after the show. I'm not looking forward to having to spend time doing that for six leagues. Yeah, um, same here. Yes, so, uh, great. You know, but, uh, but discussion fresh in your mind, it's got to be helpful. Yeah, but, you know, uh, fresh anxiety for the rest of the show. <laughs> uh, so we'll go over waiver wire pickups. Dave's got some key players for us to look at. And then a little bit later on in the show, we're going to dip our toe into the Fantasy Fool's Gold and then talk about some deep starts that uh, you should uh, check out before we close out with the J-Cut list. Okay. And uh, tonight we're drinking a couple of different things, but uh, I currently have a glass full of Lagunitas Sucks. And it's not very nice. Lagunitas is <laughs> originally from California, but they uh, a couple of years ago, several years ago now, um, uh, put a brewery in Chicago, which I've been to. Super cool, uh, very cool uh, craft brewery, and now they're one of the biggest ones in the United States. I well, biggest craft breweries, I'm sure. Yeah, that's I what I mean. I don't think that they're anywhere close to uh, the you know the like a Miller. No, although uh, I think uh, I think as as the older generation. Uh, 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 heads off to the heavens, we might get less and less of a, a focus on uh, Miller and more of a focus on the craft beers. Dave, cheap beer is eternal. <laughs> <laughs> You're so right. You're so right. Uh, are you drinking the same thing, or do you have something else? Uh, currently, I am also drinking a Lagunitas Sucks. We are going to crack open 
the New Belgium Lips of Faith series, the 2015 Le Terroir, Terroir, a dry hop sour ale. Don't look at me to pronounce it better, because I know it. Come on, Frenchie. I'm not. <laughs> There's no French in me. That's my French accent. I apologize <laughs> to all of the French Canadians out there. Uh, so, uh, so, as Jason said, we'll, we'll go ahead and start with uh, the waiver wire, unless there's anything else you wanted to chat about No first. objections. Please, tell me who I should be picking up today. So, we have uh, we have people that we've uh, put in here, and I'll, I'll probably throw this up on the, on the website, but of course, since it is already uh, um, Wednesday night, uh, we don't usually do waiver wire picks, because our show is, is usually happening after uh, those waivers go through in most leagues. This particular week, because of Wednesday night football and, and the... Uh, the chains becoming uh, um, you know stretched out. <laughs> we uh, uh, we have those, and I've done a combination here of some guys that that may be available in ten team leagues, and then some that could be in deeper leagues. Uh, we'll start with quarterbacks, and because of the nature of quarterbacks in regular ten or twelve team fantasy football leagues, um, there's a lot of people that are taking someone like Patrick Mahomes or. Um, Deshaun Watson or Aaron Rodgers, and just starting them for the whole year. And that makes total sense. Sure. But those of us who may have players uh, that are more on the verge of uh, low QB1, high QB2 as our starter are more are more uh, um, often switching them out for somebody else. Yeah, you got to stream those guys. And in two quarterback leagues, the Superflex leagues, there's a lot of these players that become much more valid. So let's talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick first. 34% owned in Flea Flicker Leagues. And, of course, when we talk about fantasy points, we're going to talk about half PPR because that's the standard here at Drink 5. And Fitzmagic is back after a bit of a pause uh, to try out the new guy. Uh, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, Tunga Vailoa, he did a an exemplary job in his first couple games, in my opinion. I saw those games. I liked what he was doing. Um, he seemed like a, 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 a game manager, sort of conservative, but also showed sharpness and vision. And I, I really enjoyed his play. He did pretty badly, though, in, in Week 11 and was, was pulled out. So when Fitzpatrick yes. was, was starting in Week 12, uh, he ended up putting up 257 yards and two touchdowns and is the guy that we know and love as Fitz. But I think that you're still going to see the Dolphins want to go with uh, uh, Tungavailoa um, as soon as they can. Now, right now, he is practicing, but it's very much in the air and uncertain whether he's going to get the start going forward or if Fitzpatrick will come in and play another game. I tend to think that we'll see Fitz until uh, until Tua gets 100% healthy because what's the point of the Dolphins trying to, to injure their new quarterback? So the only, I mean, normally when you have a rookie quarterback, you're not in the playoff hunt. The Dolphins, I believe, are in the playoff hunt right now. So that could be a reason to try and get Tua in. But honestly, what I would do, where the Dolphins would be, um, keep Fitzpatrick in as the veteran, so that you can maybe make the playoffs and get Tua back in week 16, week 17, when you know he'll be fully healthy uh, for some playoff experience. So we might see that, and that's why this is a speculative pickup for two quarterback leagues. Uh, you can also start Ryan Fitzpatrick if he plays again um, this next week, or maybe even going forward, as this year in general has been a really good one for Fitzpatrick. And the Dolphins have playmakers, although they've had issues at running back. Now it looks like they have all their guys healthy again as a committee. I don't see any problem with starting Fitz if you don't have one of the aforementioned guys. If you're uh, you know, starting at a position of weakness or have a high-end QB2 as your current starter and you're not happy with him, uh, then, then going with the Fitzpatrick is not a bad choice. But you're going to have to wait on, until Thursday and Friday to see if Tua is going to be practicing with the ones and uh, looking to actually start the game. Right, you want Friday practice especially. Um, and yeah, if he's healthy, they should put him out there to play. I mean, the Dolphins play Cincinnati. You know, great great spot for your rookie to uh, to you know get in the groove. Yeah, the Brandon Allen led Cincinnati. Who... Brandon Allen. I, I I couldn't have taken five guesses and gotten to Brandon Allen. <laughs> who used to be a little bit more daunting when at least they had Joe Burrow, the rookie. <clears throat> but Brandon Allen's not um, not anyone. They were that... downright impressive with Joe Burrow, or at least Joe Burrow was downright impressive. They were higher than the Andy Dalton line with Joe Burrow. <laughs> That's true. And now Andy Dalton's not even uh, uh, above the Andy Dalton line, perhaps. Uh, number two, Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell, as he wanted to be called, and he told Chicago Bears fans to please call him Mitchell. Uh, 24% owned Trubisky is another quarterback who's back after a little bit of a timeout. They put in Nick Foles for a while. Uh, he rolled his set of Bears-themed dice and came up with 242 yards, three touchdowns, and two interceptions. 
and Trubisky, as we Over know, several games, right? No, last game. That was one. Oh, Mitchell, Mitch did. Mitch, not yeah. Foles. So uh, uh, rumors are swirling that uh, um, that he is going to be the quarterback down the stretch and continuing for the Bears, and it makes sense because Foles had a you know prove yourself moment, couple of games, didn't do it. Right. Uh, it doesn't seem to me that Trubisky or Foles is the answer for Chicago Bears fans. Uh, perhaps there is no answer for Chicago Bears fans. However, Trevor Lawrence. <laughs> however, Trubisky uh, seems to be able to target Allen Robinson in the end zone, and we know that he's had years where he scores a lot of fantasy points. Uh, somewhat inexplicably so, uh, even if the Bears are being a bad football team and, and he is not a good quarterback in reality, Trubisky can still be a good fantasy quarterback. Uh, logic be damned. And uh, he, he did score, you know, 20... Now you're talking to Chicago Bears football. Right. He scored 20-plus points last week and can continue to do so as long as he's not shut out by a very high-end defense. Um, I think... Well, a lot of that was garbage points, wasn't it? Because the Packers were up, like, 41-10... to 10. Perhaps uh, I mean he orchestrated he orchestrated uh, 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 some some good passes to Robinson et cetera that weren't uncontested, uh, but but I know what you're saying. But I mean coming from someone who who won a dynasty league with Blake Bortles as his QB two, it doesn't really matter in fantasy if the quarterback is good or not. It only matters if they score fantasy points. It's true. So Trubisky can continue to score twenty plus points and might just do so over the next couple of weeks, which is why he's certainly a quarterback two for a superflex league, or again someone that you might want to turn to if you if you have someone that you don't like on your squad currently. Uh, and I know that uh, that people are going to be hesitant to select someone like Trubisky for their QB one, but I have to tell you that uh, you know we're going to be just as hesitant to select a guy like Derek Carr who scored two points last week. Oh, I, I think in some leagues he was negative. Oh, that's he had that's, five turnovers. That's insane. That's brutal. I'd uh, love to hear your thoughts in the chat room about uh, <clears throat> Trubisky and Fitzpatrick, and if any of you would consider playing him if you don't already have a stud in the lineup. Let's talk about uh, running back. So I'll be a little quicker uh, and just uh, ask you for your input at the end. Cam Akers of the Rams, 61% owned, so owned in most leagues. Uh, the committee in Los Angeles is now back together with Daryl Henderson uh, um, and, uh, and Brown and Akers. So the three of them, as they were in the beginning of the year, it's sort of difficult to choose between uh, one might have a good game and the other one does afterwards. But Cam did very well last week coming back uh, with limited touches, and he rushed for 84 yards and a touchdown on nine carries. He looks like the best of the bunch to me, and it does take a while for rookies to really to break out and, and understand the offense. I think he might be at that point. Uh, he's trending up uh, over the past three games, 3.8, 8.4, and 14.4 fantasy points over the last three games, and touchdowns in the last two matchups. So I care a lot about trends and usage. I see Akers' usage going up. I see his points going up. I see two touchdowns in the last two games. I see a startable asset in fantasy. Um, so one thing I like about that is that he is being productive while not being in very much. So 26% offensive snaps, 17%, 27% over the last three games, which means there is a lot of room for growth. If he is being productive, they need to put him in more, right. which means that he could be in for you know, 30, 40% of the snaps and just, you know, that, that what you're looking at right now could be his floor. Yeah. That's crazy, right? He could be a, uh, a running back to target, especially, uh, well, he's probably owned in all dynasty keeper leagues currently, Certainly. but uh, go- going down the stretch, he could be a guy who's scoring you 15 points a game. And that's exactly what you want to pick up on the waiver wire. Uh, number two, Frank Gore. So 39% owned Frank Gore. Uh, it's amazing to me that Gore can appear on a list like this one, first of all. And no one else on the Jets roster is trusted enough to carry the load. After... Let's roll the tape of us making fun of Frank Gore <laughs> five years ago, eight years ago, being like, haha, we'll still talk about him in 2020. <laughs> I think as we, as we first started this podcast so many years ago, uh, sitting on a couch with one mic between us, uh, we were even then talking about the uh, the demise of Frank Gore as something that would absolutely happen shortly. The eternal demise of Frank Gore. But it never <laughs> it happened. It never happens. It never happened. Frank Gore is around. He's going to be around for a little while longer. And while he's the number one running back there, he's just doing pretty well. So he has to be considered a starter on your team moving forward, at least in a flex position. 39% own means that he's available in most leagues. And... Uh, um, 
He got 15 carries for 61 yards and a touchdown with two receptions in Week 11, 18 carries for 74 yards and three receptions in Week 12. Uh, I think that's a consistent play. Uh, they're showing there that you know the Jets are are not a great team, but they're still going to run the ball with one guy right now, and that guy is Frank Gore. Yeah. They go up against the Las Vegas defense that allowed the Falcons with Ito Smith and Brian Hill to run all over them. So I don't see a reason why that Frank was disgraceful by the Ra- <laughs> by the Raiders. I, it was a horrible Raiders game. And now this game's going to be in the Meadowlands, so the Raiders probably wound up staying out east the whole week. Maybe that'll help them, maybe not. They need some way to get well on the Jets, but, I mean, this could be the Jets' one win. So here is a guy, uh, Frank Gore, that uh, is probably likely to to, uh, to at least run 15 times and, uh, say, a 50% odds at a touchdown. Uh, I, I think that it's a good play in a position where there's a lot of committee running backs, there's a lot of injuries to running backs. Um, would, would you play Frank Gore if you, if you had him available and didn't have a strong R- RB2? Look, there are so many injuries and players out with COVID right now that Frank Gore is probably going to be started in more leagues than he won't be. Yeah, and I don't see a problem with that. I mean, but uh, if see, I want to say like this could be the last stronghold of Frank Gore, but I know if I say that, that he's going to play for five no, more no, years. No, no, we should just keep saying that for his sake. It's the last chance you have. Do nothing but doubt Frank Gore because then he will become uh, immortal. He's he's certainly got superhero tendencies, Frank. Uh, Devontae Booker, twenty five percent owned. Uh, and uh, I have I have the Jets here, but he's he's on the Raiders. Uh, <laughs> he has a chance in quotes to play this week, but uh, he'll Jacobs like, that is he'll likely uh, yes Jacobs, but he'll likely be on a snap count regardless. An ankle injury that he suffered was not that great uh, looking, and Booker will have some touches regardless uh, against the Jets, who are allowing some big games from running backs. Uh, the interesting thing about this to me is that the Jets allow uh, a lot of receptions to running backs, and these stats can get a little muddy. Uh, but Booker is not a uh, guy who's been having a lot of receiving success or opportunities in the football game when he's in there. So we'll see if that translates to anything. But what we do know is the snaps that do not go to Jacobs, or if Jacobs doesn't play, a lot of that will go right to Booker. And Booker is a guy that's 25% owned, so you can get him in most leagues uh, right now. Jason's also going to be featuring this player a little bit later in the podcast, and so we'll we'll go more Spoilers. into detail. Yeah. <laughs> Spoilers. Um, do you want it to to uh, add anything now, or do you want to just go into it in a bit? Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it in a little bit. Okay, one more running back, Royce Freeman uh, from Denver, 24% owned, so the least of the bunch. Uh, Philip Lindsay uh, over there is not currently practicing, doesn't look likely to suit up for Week 13's matchup against the Chiefs. President Gordon needs a vice president, and that's Freeman, this particular matchup. And it's not a, a sure thing, but it's sure thing. Uh, we've got Freeman in a position where he, we know that he can run the ball well. We know he can receive the ball in the backfield. Uh, Freeman has put up a lot of points before, especially in his uh, rookie year and second year with the Broncos. And with no Lindsay out there, it seems like a, a position that is not strong, but when we're looking for flex plays or RB2s because our team is decimated with injuries, Freeman is someone that you could pick up, put in, uh, and he will certainly get some fantasy points. Uh, depending on how deep your league is, maybe all you need in that position is some fantasy points. <laughs> Thoughts about Freeman or the Denver uh, running back situation currently? I just hope that they have a quarterback this week. Well, they, that, that's going to do a lot for their quarter than their running back. They're they're all set to play this if week. If they have no quarterbacks again, don't play anybody from that team. That's true. If if a if any team has no quarterbacks, don't play anyone from that team. That's that's correct. Uh, wide receivers, T.Y. Hilton, 63% owned. So we advise you, like many, many people advise you, uh, not to play Hilton and even to drop him earlier this season. And I think that was completely warranted. But it appears like Hilton's finally catching some chemistry with Rivers, and that's demonstrated in four receptions for 81 yards and a touchdown in Week 12 against the Titans. Now those numbers are what they are, but I saw the game, and it looked like he was, uh, he was looking for Hilton pretty often. Uh, and that's what you want to see in a wide receiver. 
I do want to mention that 50 yards of that came from one long pass, so this pickup may shine like gold, but it's just as likely that Pittman goes back to being the number one wide receiver next week against Houston. However, uh, Rivers can historically support multiple receivers, whether it's a tight end and two receivers or three wide receivers uh, in a given week. So I think that anything is possible here for the Colts, and it's not unusual to me uh, uh, that... Um, uh, that T.Y. Hilton could come back on uh, strong, especially at the end of the year, a proven commodity like Hilton. Yeah. I don't know exactly what was wrong with him earlier in the year, but it is promising to see what happened last week, and I'm looking forward to uh, that team gelling a little bit more with its wide receiver core because it just hasn't so far this year. Yeah, I mean, one thing I noticed looking at the box score from the Titans-Colts game is that um, because they were behind a lot, there was a lot of dump-offs, to the running back, Naheem Hines led the team with 10 targets, but then you did have Pittman right behind him with 9 targets. Yeah, he's still being targeted. Two catches means that they're probably going to lose the game. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yes, indeed. Uh, looks like we have some questions coming in. I'm going to try to finish this section real quickly. Okay, I'll, I'll parse these questions and prepare an answer. <laughs> Devo Samuel with San Francisco is 72% owned, so he's owned in most leagues. If he is available, he's a great pickup regardless of who's playing at quarterback, which looks to still be Nick Mullins, because Samuel will be enjoying five-plus targets per game no matter what happens, and more than likely more than that, seven, eight uh, per game. And Samuel is going back to his role as the number one wide receiver there. Um but he's not owned in a lot of leagues, so what I'm saying is if he's available, pick him up immediately. Uh, spend a whole bunch of the uh, FAAB that you might have in that league because he is the number one guy that's available if he's available, in my opinion. Uh, Kiki QT for Houston is 9% owned, so this is more interesting. Um, he hasn't been on the radar so far this year. That's because they had a lot of receivers there. They had Stills playing, and of course they had Fuller and Cooks. And so uh, QT was relegated to a, to a practice field role and not really starting on a, on a day-by-day basis uh, for the team. But after separating with Stills and having Fuller get suspended for the remainder of the fantasy season with PED usage, QT suddenly finds himself as a WR2 on a team that can put up a lot of points very quickly with Deshaun Watson under center. Back in 2018, when he was a rookie and being used more often, he had four double-digit games, including one with 11 receptions for 110 yards and a touchdown. He also had a couple of double-digit games in 2019. So I honestly think that QT will excel immediately, especially in PPR leagues. I have experience with him on my teams, especially in Dynasty, and I dropped him because I thought that he you know, had fallen off a cliff and they just weren't interested in, in uh, uh, raising him up to that level. But sometimes uh, the, the possibilities uh, and opportunities change based on what's going on with the active roster. This is one of those times. It's Cooks and QT, and I see no reason why he's not a playable asset every single week going forward. Yeah, I mean, somebody has to fill the slot there. There's nobody at wide receiver on that team. And we thought that before, after Hopkins left, and Fuller did fill that role, so it's going to have to be Cootie now. There is another rookie wide receiver named Isaiah Coulter, uh, who's going to come in as like the WR3. But talk about unproven commodities. I have no idea what to expect out of him, and I do know that at the very least, uh, is going to have that Kenny Stills uh, role, his modern role, which is more of a, a possession uh, slot receiver, uh, and they'll probably use Coulter as a down-the-field guy. But Kiki QT can also run pretty quickly and get down there, so we'll see what happens. Uh, last guy, Colin Johnson for Jacksonville. And, and some of you may not have heard of him before, but 8% owned. Uh, with DJ Chark and Chris Conley both injured, uh, Colin Johnson last week got four catches for 96 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. Eight targets is a great number that lets us know that he's being utilized heavily in the offense and that they trust him to, to catch the ball. Um, Cole, Chenault, and Johnson appear to be the healthy wide receivers right now on the Jacksonville team. So is it possible that Glennon and Johnson were buddies on the practice squad? We talk about this a lot. Oh, yeah. And, and when you have a, a guy coming in as the second or third string quarterback, like we see with Glennon, it's, it's very often that the, the chemistry they have is not with the all-star wide receivers on that team. Right. It's with the guy that they played catch with they're every single really, day. Let's be honest. They're not really all-star receivers. <laughs> if they were all-star receivers, we'd be... You know, we, we'd be using them still. Well, DJ Chark's pretty good, but the other guys are kind of toss-ups at any time. Correct. Yeah. 
So do uh, you think that's possible that uh, that Johnson and uh, and Glennon are buddies? Yeah, I feel like we haven't really seen a backup a backup to backup connection this year on any team. So uh, I look forward to you know finally finding one. Yeah, hear that. So how about a question from the audience? So uh, MathQuest mentions that uh, Kyler Murray had a bad shoulder injury um, that he played through, and uh, I believe this happened two weeks ago. Last week, it clearly hampered his production in the game against the Patriots, so he wants to know, should he pivot to Justin Herbert this week? Um, first of all, kudos for carrying a strong uh, quarterback on your bench. Uh, we would often advise against that, but it looks like you uh, need it right now, and I would agree that it's probably the right time to switch to Justin Herbert. Now, he isn't really blowing... Uh, the door's off the place anymore, but he played Buffalo last week. In Buffalo, that was tough. Now they get New England uh, at home. New England did play well against Kyler last week, but like we said, Kyler was likely hurt. Um, New England did, the week before, give up 31 points to Deshaun Watson, uh, 22 to Lamar Jackson, and 21 points to Joe Flacco back in week nine. Yeah, but so, Flacco was a stud, let's be honest. Right. He was just trucking it That's down. That's who Baltimore field. needed today. <laughs> so anyways... I think that Justin Herbert will be fine. He will probably put up more points than Kyler Murray. Um, and uh, it's a bit of a spoiler, but I will tell you that Kyler... Not a spoiler. Screw it. We're here to give you information. Kyler has a terrible matchup this week. The Rams are the second best team against uh, opposing quarterbacks. So um, I endorse this move. I think we're going to talk about this a little bit later, again, as it relates to DeAndre Hopkins. Correct. Right? Uh, and I, I personally... Um, I I agree with Jason, and I think that Kyler, although they're downplaying it, both the coach and Kyler, etc., uh, he was obviously hurt. Um, there's been an obvious uh, uh, impact to his performance, uh, and it's not to say that he can't correct that path, but I don't think it's going to be this week in a bad matchup. Uh, so I'm not saying don't play Kyler or the guys on that squad going forward, but I think maybe uh, uh, resting him this week uh, for someone who you think will have a little bit more consistent performance and isn't hurt is a good idea. Sure. And if you look at my rankings on the website, drink5.com, uh, for this particular week, I have Kyler Murray as the number eight quarterback right now. That could change. We'll see. But I have Herbert as the number six quarterback. And so for your question, uh, the answer is Herbert. Oh, wow. Very nice. I didn't even consult your rankings. I do have them up, and I often consult them during the podcast. But Well, I think we all agree here. And so, MathQuest, I would suggest that you sit Kyler Murray, uh, even though that's really hard to do because he can easily put up 30 points in a game. I don't think it'll be this week, and I think it's so great, like Jason mentioned, to happen to have a guy like Herbert who can give you that uh, 22 points when you need it. Good on you for having him. Yeah. I mean, if you didn't have someone ranked above Murray, it'd be a much tougher question. With someone ranked above Murray, I think it's pretty easy. Yep. Uh, okay, so let's finish up what we have currently. Uh, we're looking at tight ends, uh, which is Jason's favorite category of fantasy player. <laughs> no, kicker. <laughs> kicker is my favorite category. Well, <laughs> so so let's look at um, uh, Kyle Rudolph, Minnesota. 32% owned. Rudolph had 7 for 68 on 8 targets in Week 12. And keep your eye on the status of Adam Thielen and of Smith, the other tight end. Their absence helps bring more targets. Irv. Irv Smith. Irv Smith Jr. Their absence helps bring more targets into Rudolph. And remember, Rudolph was a top 10 tight end once who was going as a top 10 tight end for a couple of years, and he certainly could be again. I like Kyle Rudolph. The problem over there is that they just kept getting more and more tight ends. Now there's three of them over there that occasionally get the ball. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like a situation in, in Baltimore if there was a good tight end on the roster not named Mark Andrews. <laughs> uh, so I think that uh, down the fantasy playoff stretch, getting Kyle Rudolph on your squad uh, is not a bad idea, especially if you have someone right now like a Noah Fant or someone that you're unsure of. Uh, I think Kyle Rudolph has trended in a good, positive direction. Uh, and obviously that the 7 for 68 it brings him head and shoulders above a lot of tight ends, especially this past week. Uh, Trey Burton is the second guy, Indianapolis, 30% owned. And Burton on the Bears was also good in various situations and early in on the season before he kind of uh, faded off 
uh, and flew over the cuckoo's there nest. There was a handful of situations. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think he's the, the touchdown guy, the red zone tight end guy for the Colts. Again, on another squad that has like two or three tight ends they can pass to, they tend to go to Burton for those clutch situations. Yeah. But think about it this way, though. Uh, Burton will get the jitters when it really counts. When you are sitting there in your uh, fantasy championship game and Burton is called upon to get that touchdown, he won't even go out to the field. So I think he's imminently startable at the moment. But let him go before his anxiety gets the best of him. Interesting, interesting. <laughs> so they are playing Houston. Houston is... Uh, they're not batting against the tight end. 12th fewest fantasy points. But they did just give up 11.4 to TJ Hawkinson. Well, both of those guys have been doing well. I think Burton has touchdowns uh, for the last couple of games. So it's always good to play trends and you know. He keep... really, yeah, he does. Burton has had a good streak lately. Uh, he's the one guy in... I have a, on a couple teams, and I have not good tight ends on those teams, and I just keep not starting Trey Burton. Yeah, well, I don't know why. It's a terrible decision, I'm telling you. Who are you starting instead of Trey Burton? I'm not going to admit that, because people are going to turn off the podcast if I admit it. <laughs> and deservedly so. Let's move on, Dave. All right. Uh, well, one of the things that I that I did want to talk about is uh, the, the defenses going forward. Um, but rather than talk about that on the podcast here, I think I'll just write an article about it. So just keep your eyes out and, and peeled at drink5.com. And what I'm going to do is write an article that sort of features uh, what defenses are going to be good in week 14 and 15 that you could pick up now or next week for later down the playoff stretch. And, you know, we, we don't say during the regular season that you should pick up multiple defenses or multiple quarterbacks for a good reason. And that's because yeah. you need to have those depth guys on your team for when one of your guys goes out and is injured. Right. Well, you, you manage your team differently than you do, you know, in the playoffs than you do during the regular season. Yeah. It, it happens a little bit in football, but where it's really clear is if you're a baseball fan, you notice that, um, like, a manager will completely use his starting rotation and all of his pitchers differently in the playoffs than in the regular season. Right. And that's sort of how you got to think of it here, where your bench is no longer um, just for depth. Your bench is for uh, strategic matchups down the line. Yeah, so once you get to the point where you are going to make the playoffs or, you know, in the best case scenario, when you actually have a bye week, yeah. you can just pile up guys that will be good later and not worry about the injuries that can happen now because for your team to win, you have to have a couple weeks of good luck. And and screw, true. screw true. having the handcuffs of everybody. Get rid of them. Just put up those guys that no one else can have and you can start them because their matchups are that much better than the other guys. Yeah, you need to have the most important players on your team, uh, not just the the handcuffs, not just what you think of as like the bench players you've let ride. Yep. So um, why don't we open up that that new beer if if you think that's a good idea for this for this new segment uh, that Jason's going to carry? Well, let the adventure begin, as the bottle opener says. <laughs> La terroir. La terroir. Le. Le. I don't. Again, I. Yeah, I'm not the expert on this pronunciation. Well, we had, um, <laughs> what was the raison d'etre? Raison d'etre. And I, I, you know, it's one of those things that uh, I'd never heard of that saying before, and then after that, I hear it pop up every once in a while. Uh, it's satisfying. Where does it pop up? Like in Talking Head songs, or like where? Where do you hear it? The last time I heard of it, I heard the term, and I've heard it in several places, was on the West Wing Weekly podcast. Um, you know, it's just. Raison d'etre is just the reason for being, the reason for living. So it's like like people like dropping Latin phrases, carpe diem, in a, in in speech to sound smart. People like to drop French phrases in their speech to be smart. All right, that's all. It's just people trying to look smarter than they are. <laughs> and I don't think that the person who said that would uh, would um, be upset with me calling him out for that. <laughs> Anyways, this is a. Uh, dry hopped sour ale from 2015 apparently i don't remember i remember seeing this beer years ago i don't know if like this bottle is five years old um i mean i just bought it at the liquor store today so it smells pretty good here dave did you want me to smell it or am, am i good <laughs> mystery glass what 
That's all yours. So we will jump on into the Fool's Gold portion of the evening tonight. So Fool's Gold is a recurring segment, we could call it. Um, these are often players that are good, that you're often starting every week or most weeks. And um, I want to caution you against them. If, if you start these two players, I will not look down on you. I will not blame you because these are big names. However, I think that in week 13 of the fantasy season, you need to be bold with your lineup choices if you have to win to make the playoffs. So my first player is Alvin Kamara. Um, this week, the Saints are traveling to Atlanta. They're going to play the Falcons. They just played the Falcons in Week 11. In that game, which was the first game that Taysom Hill started, uh, Kamara had 13 carries for 45 yards, zero receptions. That zero receptions was the first time in his career that he did that. He found the end zone uh, that game, but it's clear that his workload and effectiveness have gone way down without Drew Brees in the game. These last two games are the worst of the season for Kamara. They're the worst receiving games of his career. Um, over that time, he only has one reception for negative two yards, uh, less than 100 yards from scrimmage in both games combined. And since Raheem Morris has taken over for as head coach, the Falcons have really stepped up their rush defense. Over the last, I think it's five games that Morris has uh, been in charge, they have only allowed, the highest scoring running back, excuse me, has only had 12.8 points. So this is week 13 of the fantasy season. It's the final game of the regular season. You need points. The ceiling for Alvin Kamara is far lower than uh, it has been all season. And in my opinion, you need to dip into your bench. You need to find someone with a better matchup, with a better chance for a high point total, with a better ceiling, because you don't want to screw around with anyone uh, on your team that's on the anyone on your fantasy team that's playing for the Saints right now. Taysom Hill as a QB2 is, in my opinion, the only acceptable play in this situation uh, from that team. Everyone else right now is not uh, worthwhile. And I didn't even think about mentioning Michael Thomas because he's been such a disappointment all year, but he's probably the kind of player that fits perfectly in this fool's gold uh, scenario where you just need to avoid them. Uh, but uh, honestly, the, the Falcons are... Uh, way more susceptible to the passing game. It's the running game that they're really uh, buckling down on. So I think that um, you need to bench Alvin Kamara if it's feasible on your team. If you have a strong bench, if you have anybody with some good upside on your bench, then you need to leave Kamara uh, on the bench and put your put someone else in. He's gonna he's gonna die on this ship, right? Who me or Kamara? You. <laughs> I don't have Kamara in any leagues, so I can't put my money where my mouth is. Well, he's it, but it, my next player, I'm strongly considering it. Looking at trending down is interesting when we talk about the points uh, from week 10, 11, 12, 31, 10, and five. Obviously, Taysom Hill is interfering with that because Taysom Hill runs, not Kamara, and right. Taysom Hill is not a guy who's going to uh, be passing in the backfield because he's looking for those option plays, and that's who he is. Um, the interesting, the most interesting thing about this whole situation is that they played Atlanta the first week that Taysom was the starting quarterback, and they play Atlanta again. And Atlanta seems like they uh, have have stepped up uh, a notch, or you know, turned a switch or two or something uh, in in destroying uh, the last team that they played. And I <laughs> don't know if, and this is a hard thing about doing uh, analyzation. If Las Vegas was just that bad, if Atlanta was that good, if it was a situational kind of a thing. It's a combination of several things, in my opinion. But uh, this could be a game where Atlanta uh, beats the Saints and uh, Taysom Hill uh, is looking pretty poor. Um, in any case, I agree with Jason's estimation that Alvin Kamara is probably not a start for this particular week. Now, he might score 10 or 11 points, so you're assuming that you have someone on your bench that's going to probably score more than that. So I would say I would put a number at it and say, like, if you have a guy that's going to score more than 10 points, put him in there instead of Kamara. I think that 12 points is Kamara's ceiling right now. And, like, he's going to have a high floor. He's going to have six or seven, but he's not going to really score more than 12. And, you know, you have someone on your bench who has a higher ceiling than that, almost definitely. Or even one of the guys we talked about earlier might might uh, oh, have or a higher you could, ceiling. Yeah, there's people you could pick up that have a higher ceiling. So here's sure. here's the good question then: Do you start Elvin Kamara or Frank Gore, and will you die on that ship? Oh my god! <laughs> 
If I say yes, will you let me back on the podcast next week? <laughs> uh, no, I think you're right. Uh, now, this is all percentage chances. Uh, Kamara could have two touchdowns because they were the right situation for him to have them. But uh, like, like we talked about uh, previously about James White, uh, who uh, had a situation that we thought he'd go right back into a receiving back. Instead, he scored two small short yardage touchdowns, which were the result of opportunistic play ma- uh, uh, schemes. Yeah, I think we forgot when we were talking about James White that Ka- uh, Cam Newton can't throw <laughs> uh, short passes. He can't throw with touch or any sort of finesse. So uh, that's I mean, why James White isn't getting the passes. He used to throw the ball to Christian McCaffrey, so he can certainly throw those passes. <laughs> he can't right now. He can only just like... He's like Jameis Winston. He just throws it as hard as he can down the middle. Yeah. So 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 Frank Gore or Alvin Kamara? Frank Gore, man. I mean, I gotta go with. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna what bet you. Preaching. I just I'm just interested because I feel like you're not that wrong. Gore could have uh, nine points and Kamara score seven. Let's see. Let's see and if, I won't be surprised. In your rankings, how far apart Frank Gore and Alvin Kamara are? So you have Alvin Kamara like thirteen. Respect. Respect. For sure. Well, he was normally like one or two. I had to bring him down. Exactly. Well, his ECR is 11 this week, <laughs> and you're still below that. And then Frank Gore is number 28, um, up two spots from his ECR. Uh, so you're you're slowly inching them together. I don't think that they'll cross by Sunday, <laughs> but yeah, Frank Gore over Elvin Kamara. Okay. Well, you heard it here first. And, and probably only. Oh. <laughs> You're the only one who's going to say that. What's the next spot on your list? So, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, So, like I said, they're big swings here in Fool's Gold this week. Because it's the last week of the regular season, you have to do something huge. You can't just start a big name that is struggling just because of their name. Just like Kamara, DeAndre Hopkins has been struggling. So, in my opinion, you need to find a way to keep him on your bench. In three of his last four games, he has point totals of 4.5, 7.6, and 8.0. This is when Kyler Murray is struggling. We both seem to agree Kyler Murray is definitely struggling. He's lost his mojo. He needs Austin Powers to help him get it back. Um, so <laughs> the Cardinals struggled against the Patriots last week. This week the oppo- their opponent is the Rams. They're even better against the passing game than the Patriots are. The Rams are giving up the fewest fantasy points to opposing wide receivers. The second fewest of points uh, to opposing quarterbacks as well. Uh, just to reiterate that whole Kyler Murray point. Um, So it's a terrible matchup for Hopkins. It's a time when his team is struggling. Um, He's only led the team in targets two of the last four weeks. He is a guy that should be leading his team in targets every single week. Um, So he can't just be thrown in and assumed to be his dominant self. You need to think long and hard about who you are putting in uh, at at your lineup. On DeAndre Hopkins, no matter what you think, even if you start him, he is not your WR1 this week. He is your WR3 at best. Uh, and if you have a, a weak bench, you're probably going to leave him in. But if you have a strong bench, you need to seriously consider the other players who are trending up, the guys who have better matchups, the guys who have a more favorable quarterback situation, and start them in place of DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, I'm in on that. I mean, if, you're, if your bench can lift more than your starters, then uh, get them in there. They're... They're, you know, the strong bench is what you're looking for. So you're going to ask me, like, Kiki Cutie or DeAndre Hopkins? Do you want me to? No. <laughs> I just wanted you to not ask Colin Johnson or DeAndre Hopkins. Look, I think we I think we agree that those two guys are, are rough starts. Um, there is one thing about them is that if this was uh, eight years ago, we would still say to start your studs no matter what. Now, I don't know if I would be so courageous as you – uh, as to as to call out both of those players this particular week, um, I, but I think that regardless of what happens, at least one of those guys is going to have a bad game, uh, and it makes sense because you've stacked up all the reasons for that to happen. Look, I ultimately might be wrong, but hopefully this wasn't boring. <laughs> well, if if you are are needing a win no matter what this particular week, it's rough to not start DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, I don't think it's it's going to happen. I don't think people are going to do it. But I can see how Alvin Kamara would be that kind of guy. So can we do a little real-life situation? So, I, like I said, I don't have Alvin Kamara, so I, I can't put my money where my mouth is. Yeah, However, you're, you're playing me in a league, and you have DeAndre Hopkins on that squad. Are you not, I do. Are you not going to start him? Let's look at the scene where I'm not playing you, and I have DeAndre Hopkins first. <laughs> okay, so I have Hopkins, McLaurin, Chris Godwin... <laughs> I have on my bench T. Higgins, Jarvis Landry, and Jalen Rager. 
So next week's matchups, um, Jarvis Landry is playing Tennessee. I'm losing Chris Godwin, so I have to find a way to start either Rager or Higgins over Hopkins. You, you can't start the Eagle receiver, right? I can't start Rager. <laughs> and, Rager sounds like a He-Man character. <laughs> See, I, I don't know that I can start T. Higgins. I may need to pick up someone to start them over Hopkins. Oh, boy. This is something I'm going to be turning over in my head for but, quite a while. But what you're saying, perhaps, is that... Uh, also, Week 13 buys are bullshit, NFL. Let's not do that again next it, year. Is that his ceiling is, is definitely collapsing, and that you're not going to start Hopkins as a WR1, or maybe not even a WR2, which you mentioned earlier, so that if you have a guy on your bench that you think can have that consistent amount of points this particular week, you may start him over him. So if you, if you had, uh, let's say... Uh, a guy like Jameson Crowder or someone, would you start him over Hopkins? Ooh, Crowder was like borderline on my list of fool's gold. Um, well, Crowder's great. The Jets are a problem. Yeah, it's Let's, the Jets that are a problem. Uh, so I, I currently have uh, Hopkins at, at number 12. I got to uh, say, I, I don't know that I have deep enough benches on either team to start Hopkins, and it's because I have Godwin on both of those teams, and he's on bye. Have, so the number one bench guy already is playing. So I need my number two bench guy to be better than Hopkins. That's tough. What I'm saying here is, for these guys, like your top bench guy is probably going to be better than them. But you the have second to, best bench guy, that's a toss-up. You have to practice what you preach, though. Like Start Pittman over Hopkins. It wouldn't be surprising to see Pittman score 13 points. If you're saying that Hopkins is only going to have five grabs for 60 yards, then why would you start Hopkins? We're both going to be at the same record. We're both going to need to win... When, when and we're in the playoffs, losing, it's going to be close. You're talking about a matchup for us. I have yeah, more yeah. points than anybody else currently. But if I beat you, then I don't have to worry about that tiebreaker. Well, if I have more points than anyone else, then I don't have to worry about their records. You're, you're right. So then we'll both make it. So you... just lose to me, and we'll, we'll, we'll see each other in the Just playoffs. don't start Hopkins, and we'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'll, I'll be interested uh, to see if he actually does start Hopkins or not, and it's an interesting discussion. Uh, these are the guys that are your studs, and so, like I said before, when we first started off on the podcast, one of the things that people always said was, always start your studs. Even when you're starting to think that they're not going to do well, always start them. Now, if you're saying uh, that's not the right advice, there are some weeks that you should not start them, like you are with Kamara and Hopkins. So there, there You have are, to put a number to that, is what I'm saying. There are situations like Elvin Kamara not having Drew Brees as his quarterback anymore, or DeAndre Hopkins... <laughs> not having uh, the Kyler Murray as his quarterback and only having, you know, a little bit of Kyler Murray as his quarterback. Those are, like, the outside factors that are going into this that are causing me to want to sit these guys. Of course, but you know that it doesn't matter. Hopkins could still score two touchdowns and get 100 yards, even if it's a little bit of Kyler Murray. Of course, and I think that <laughs> Hopkins has a better chance, a slightly higher ceiling than Kamara. Uh, but also, your wide receiver depth should be bigger on most teams. Like I said, if I didn't have one of my starting wide receivers on bye, this would be a pretty easy decision for me. I would probably be sitting there. Well, let's revisit this next week. I did not look at my lineups before making this this, and, this call. And we'll see uh, what you ended up starting and whether or not it was the right decision. And if it wasn't, then uh, who would you have had on your bench that would have been a better call? So, right. you know, we can talk about hindsight. Probably Saul. <laughs> but do you, think, do you think that you're going to end up starting him just as in your mind, the wide receiver three, because it doesn't matter for a fantasy football team where you start a person as long as they're starting or it's not true. starting. That's very true. <laughs> um, I mean... You're, like, you're not going to get as many targets today, Hopkins. Look, you're, if, you're the WR3. <laughs> if Burrow was still playing, I would definitely start T. Higgins over him, uh, but that's not the case anymore. If I can nab one of these wide receivers on the waiver wire, like I've got Jakeem Grant... I don't really. I'm not thrilled with that. But if I can land um, Debo Samuel, if I can land T.Y. Hilton, then it's going to be a serious consideration. Okay. Well, let's uh, move on to the next segment you got planned for us today. Yep. So these are some uh, sort of deep starts. So guys who are further down the uh, rankings list, who I think need to, you know, have a good shot at making your lineup this week. We've got Devonte Booker, who we talked about earlier. So uh, we'll kind of skirt over this. But last week, like skirt, we said. Skirt. Uh, the the Raiders game was a burn-the-tape kind of game. They were completely dominated by the Falcons. Uh, they surrendered in the fourth quarter. They pulled all their starters. So Devontae Booker got in the game because Josh Jacobs had an injury, an ankle injury. Um, so that's what you need to track here. 
If Jacobs does not play this week, Booker will be the main guy at running back, and it's a prime bounce-back situation for the Raiders against the Jets. Mm -hmm. Normally, I would think that the Raiders would continue uh, being bad all year because last year they had a catastrophic loss to the Jets and then sucked the rest of the year. Uh, This year, they had a catastrophic loss against the Falcons, but they have a chance to get better against the Jets. So let's see if this team can learn and grow. So what they have in common is cats. I'm going to go with that. (laughs) So... The Jets are giving up the ninth most points to opposing running backs. In recent games, they've given up double-digit points to such illustrious names as Kalen Bellage and Rex Burkhead. So, Booker has had a couple of excellent games lately uh, when he's given enough carries. Week 9, he averaged 8.5 yards per carry, scored a touchdown, put up 12.8 points. The following week, he had 16 carries, 81 yards, two more touchdowns. So, when he's given a chance, he can put up very respectable numbers on an offense that should do well against bad teams. Uh, We just need to pay attention to the injury report, see if Jacobs is going to play or not. As we always mention about injury reports, uh, always pay attention to them. Thursday is important to see if they practice. Friday is probably the most important day to see if they practice. Um, But remember, there's all kinds of games that aren't on Sunday anymore because of everything. And uh, so push those, uh, those days back accordingly, that's all. And then uh, another guy I like is Jared Goff. He's been having an up and down season. He does seem to do very well when the opposing team can't get a lot of pressure on him. And the opposite is true. He does pretty poorly uh, when he's given no time in the pocket. So this week he faces a team that's giving up the seventh most points to opposing quarterbacks, that being the uh, Arizona Cardinals. It includes 20-plus point performances in four of the last five weeks, last week against Cam Newton being the only exception to that uh, trend. So Jared Goff is much better than Cam Newton. Let's remember that. Uh, I like Goff as a streaming option. I like Goff as a two-quarterback option. I like Goff as an emergency backup. So um, say uh, MathQuest did not have Justin Herbert available, I think that Jared Goff would be a reasonable, uh, if not not a no-brainer, but a reasonable replacement for Kyler Murray uh, in a situation where you really have no faith in Kyler Murray. Now, if you think Kyler Murray is going to be healthy, if his practice reports are glowing over the next couple days, then maybe you change your mind. But for now, I think that Jared Goff is somebody to keep in the back of your head as a possibility uh, to start this week. Um, So the Cardinals' defense is giving up uh, a ton of passing attempts this year. Goff is 7th in the league in passing attempts, 8th in yardage. So this is the kind of game where Goff is going to get a lot of chances to rack up points. They're going to throw the ball a lot. Um, I think that he'll finish as a top 10 quarterback this week. Gotcha. I, I, uh, I think I agree. Uh, we have another question, uh, just quickly. Great. And, and the question is specific, uh, asking about, are we against rostering more than one quarterback? Cause we talked about this earlier because the priority should be adding depth to running back and wide receiver positions. And if I can address this quickly, my opinion is that it's really about, uh, positional health and player scarcity. And that is, uh, that quarterbacks don't get injured as much uh, as uh, as as other positions that are uh, as in, any other position in relation to the amount of points that they score uh, on on a weekly basis. And so it's it's the same reason why you draft quarterbacks late. You, you can, but but I think I think the reason what what I would say is this because the scarcity of the position uh, is not like other positions but if you were to draft one of the the top quarterbacks so um for example in uh in the case that you have Patrick Mahomes uh having another quarterback on the roster that you get later is almost pointless because that player is going to be so far removed from the value of your top quarterback that it doesn't make any sense to roster that person you might as well have someone who's better at depth at a position that will be more, uh, um, um, more traded out because of injuries or positional changes, uh, like Jason mentioned. But if you have uh, quarterbacks that you get lower, if you draft someone in the seventh round, eighth round, you pick up a guy uh, like Jared Goff this year yeah. as your starting quarterback, then I can see why you would have two because uh, if you have two – their relation to each other's scoring is going to be similar. And I think one of the reasons why you would only want to hold one quarterback is because you are likely to not have a very deep bench. Uh, in a lot of 10-team leagues, you're going to start nine players. You're only going to have five or six bench spots. So you're not you're going to need that space for bi-week coverage and uh, just whatever kind of injury depth you need for wide receiver and running back. Uh, and then oftentimes... 
there are good quarterbacks available on the waiver wire whenever you need to go. So it's not just that um, the value is tight. It's that the value that is there on the wa- on the roster, or I'm sorry, on the waiver wire, is just waiting there for you. Use that as your extra space. Yeah, I think that's right. And uh, and we're still uh, talking about this back from uh, MathQuest first questions. And he said uh, he has a one quarterback, ten team league. So in that case, there's twenty uh, quarterbacks if everyone has two. And so there's still twelve quarterbacks that are starting uh, on any given week, unless you're in the middle of the buys. But but say there's there's eight. You can choose from eight other quarterbacks. One of those guys is going to have a good matchup. And yeah. what he said was he added Herbert back in week four after Herbert was starting to do well. So that's a good move. That's that's not even, like, that is early for Herbert. You know, that, that's a good spot on Herbert. And, and perhaps if you do have a deep bench, you just grab him to keep him from the rest of your league. But that's a speculative move, and, and so it doesn't mean it's bad. It's just that in a 10-team low bench league, uh, the... the um, uh, all, all of the, the positional power should be put towards the running backs, wide receivers, and sometimes tight ends. Uh, but I do think that was a good move. And, and I, the other reason why I think it is is because Kyler Murray, for example, is a quarterback that's a running quarterback, a quarterback that might be more likely to get injured, a guy who was like the Cam Newton of the past that was always running, uh, you know, those kinds of quarterbacks. And, and RG3, who clearly got injured, and Michael Vick, who didn't last all that long, those guys. And, and Kyler Murray is better than them at, at – at, it's staying healthy, just like a Russell Wilson is, for example, scrambles but slides. Uh, but he ended up injuring his shoulder, uh, I think, on just sort of a regular play, not necessarily a a, uh, a rush. Um, so uh, that's that's our advice. And we have another we have question. Another question from the uh, Centurion of the Thirteenth Legion, <laughs> Lucius Verinus. <laughs> Lucius Verinas. Yes, this this guy must be a fan of. The and by Rome the way, TV let me just show. let me just say quickly that these questions these questions are coming in if you're listening uh, to the podcast on Stitcher or, or Apple or Google uh, from our YouTube chat room, and you're more than welcome to subscribe to our YouTube channel uh, where we have these shows every week, uh, and then you can interact with us directly here live on YouTube. So, uh, what is Lucius Verinas's question? He uh, needs our help making the playoffs, so he wants us to help pick his lineup. Uh, Lamar Jackson uh, is the only quarterback he lists. So I don't know what your backup quarterback is. Lucius, let us know if you've got anybody. Um, There are two running backs, two wide receivers, and a flex he needs to fill. So Alvin Kamara, um, Taylor, help me out here. I'm drawing a blank. You're drawing a blank. Taylor. Jonathan Jonathan Taylor. Taylor. (laughs) Austin Austin Eckler. Miles Um, Sanders. Okay. Adam Thielen, DK Metcalf, and Cooper Cup. All right. So... Austin Eckler, yes. DK Metcalf, yes. Uh, do you have any other yeses on that on that list, Dave? Um, so I like Jonathan Taylor coming back in, and if your advice is to be held to not start Camara, uh, and we're going to do two RB two wide receivers and a flex, then and Jared Goff having a, a good week, then I might start uh, Taylor Eckler Metcalf uh, 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 Cup. And uh, the the question is, Adam Thielen's going to be healthy? Uh, and, healthy and... Thielen, I think yes. So I, if he's not going to come back, which uh, he I... should be back because he was a close contact, not a positive test. They held him out as a precaution last week when he could have come back. I think that he'll be just fine this week if he's playing. Go with him because they're playing the Jaguars. Well, I don't like Miles Sanders uh, down the stretch at all, and he's been proving that right to me. Yeah, um, he does have a decent matchup against the Packers because the Packers aren't that great against the run. However, uh, like Alvin Kamara, if we can find someone with a better ceiling, let's go with them. So I would start Taylor, Eckler, Thielen, Metcalf, and Cup. And if Adam Thielen can't go, uh, I think that I would end up starting, and you're not going to like this, Alvin Kamara. <laughs> That's fine. Because he's Alvin I understand, Kamara. I understand. <laughs> and then he talks about how he's got Tom Brady on bye this week. And, uh, you know... Week, week thirteen buys are bullshit. Teams shouldn't get the luxury of a December buy. That's ridiculous. Well, um, it is what it is. And Lamar Jackson plays the Ravens on Tuesday night football. But we okay. just talked about guys that you could pick up. Fitzpatrick, if he plays versus Cincinnati, great play. Um, and I also I kind of like Lamar Jackson against the Cowboys if he can play. Yes, yeah. If he's gonna play, yeah. Uh, but he's got he's got six more days to clear. Jared Goff uh, this particular week against Arizona. Uh, like Jason mentioned, and uh, I actually like uh, uh, Baker Mayfield to have like a comeback game. 
uh, if if he's out there. Um, I think that you're saying something nice about Baker Mayfield. I realize that. I think Stafford generally does well against Chicago. Uh, that's a tough matchup, but like, uh, those have consistently been some big Stafford games, I think. Sure. So I would recommend don't play uh, Derek Carr, picking up somebody, uh, (laughs) at quarterback, uh, to keep in your back pocket, just in case the news all week about Lamar Jackson is bad. But as long as the news looks positive, you know, it's the thing he's starting on Tuesday, you may not have a choice, but to just go with someone else because you don't have an answer about him. Yeah, and it's unfortunate that it sounds like you had Lamar Jackson the whole the whole way, and he hasn't been the quarterback that he uh, was supposed to live up to being. That game and, was supposed to be tomorrow. Which is probably why uh, you are in a position where you, you have a must-win. Um, and I would almost always tell you to start Alvin Kamara, but, but as you may have heard if you were uh, paying attention, if you were in the stream earlier... Uh, we're, we're talking about not starting Kamara. And so I would consider him to be a flex play for you based on Jason's advice. I really like Taylor and Eckler. I really like Metcalf and Cup this coming week. Um, I think... And if Thielen's going to play, I would go with Thielen over Kamara. Yeah, I think Adam Thielen's going to be great. I would I would err towards the wide receivers that you have on your squad, and I would try to shy away from both Sanders and Kamara this particular week if you can. Um, yep. But thankfully, you have a bunch of good guys there. It's not like you're uh, slim pickings. You know, it's it's uh, That's true. It's all right. You don't have to strap many, yourself to a more, rocket. How many more references to uh, movies and TV can we drop into this recommendation? Well, <laughs> we should do a whole show where we're just trying to do it uh, not overtly and see how many we can get. We just we have a little piece of paper right next to us. Take, and we, take, can, yeah, well, we, we can make it on the wall. No. I don't mean like on the wall. We'll put a, a whiteboard up or something. No, no whiteboards. <sighs> Oh, you and your precious studio, Dave. So let's get to the Jay cut list, shall we? Okay, let's do do a lightning cut list. Okay, so at quarterback, let's get rid of Cam Newton. He's still 79% owned, and he doesn't care about his stats. Uh, At the post-game press conference, (laughs) he said, I'm not going to apologize for winning. Good for you, Cam. You clearly don't care what other people think based on your wardrobe, so, you know, we're good here. Uh, Drew Brees, I don't remember if we talked about Drew Brees before, but uh, he's not going to help you in the next four weeks, so get rid of him. I still think that he will come back after Hill has maybe an unfortunate game this particular week. But I don't I, think that Drew Brees' ribs and lungs are going to allow him to come back that quickly. All right, but regardless of that, uh, uh, he's not a guy you should be keeping on your team in a redraft league. Uh, and running back Joe Mixon hasn't played since he hurt his foot in week six. He's still owned in 93% of leagues. Uh, he's so hard to let go. I know, but it's time. It's time. <laughs> Leonard Fournette owned in 87% of leagues still. Hasn't put up double-digit points since week 7 when he had a 12-point explosion. And finally, we got Devin Singletary owned in 81% of leagues. He hasn't put up double-digit points since week 4. And that is the truth. Darius Slayton at wide receiver. Only one double-digit game since week 6. He put up a goose egg last week. Daniel Jones is iffy at best right now. Um, Christian Kirk, 85% owned. Right now, basically the same reasons as Hopkins that you don't want to start Kirk, at least for the near future. Um, Manuel Sanders, he's owned in 72% of leagues still. Seriously, you guys? Like, he is, Taysom Hill is his quarterback. It's not going to happen. <laughs> uh, speaking of what's not going to happen, Antonio Brown is not going to happen. Stop trying to make Antonio Brown happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, at tight end, Jared Cook. Anyone sensing a pattern here in New Orleans? We're telling you not to start anybody from New Orleans. Get rid of Jared Cook. And uh, Tyler Higby, I'm sure that you told us to cut Tyler Higby before, Dave. I just needed to put that on there to tell myself to cut Tyler Higby. You know, a couple of these guys have, have been repeat customers to the list, but that's okay. And I you agree. You know, when they have such high ownership percentage, I feel like people aren't listening to I us. I agree with all of them. And look at, just uh, trying to get the word out there. Darius Slayton, for example, uh, last week I had, I had a gentleman that uh, – uh, it was predicted to not have a very good matchup, um, and I looked at him as uh, who can I who can I replace him with that could have a good game. So I was like Daniel Jones, Darius Slayton, their matchup looked good. I went out and picked up Slayton, uh, and I started Slayton. So Slayton gets the goose egg, and I'm sitting here with egg on my face. And I don't know if you guys know this, goose but egg on your face? but but goose eggs are larger than chicken eggs, and so that's a lot of egg to be on one person's face. Um, Jessica it, wants to know if we should cut David Johnson finally. <laughs> I think so, I guess. No, because David Johnson be is back, right? coming back yeah, this week. Yeah, he's coming week. back. Yeah, he's coming back. Yeah, 
And here's the thing, Duke Johnson. That's right. I was gonna cut him. In Duke Johnson game. never really slid into that uh, that DM that uh, you know that that starting role yeah. that some people thought that he would. And he had an okay performance for one week, but in replacement of David Johnson in general, not so much. Now with Will Fuller gone as well, I feel like David Johnson uh, has a maybe even a larger role than he had previously. It doesn't mean he's gonna blow up the world, but it does mean that Jason might consider starting him over Alvin Kamara. Um, let's just stick with Frank Gore for now. <laughs> I'm saying I would rather start David Johnson from Houston than Frank Gore on the Jets. And I think they both have sort of like that uh, uh, 8 to 12 point kind of magic going on. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, I do think that David Johnson it's has not a... magic, Dave. It's an illusion. He has a good chance of, of coming back this particular week. And because yeah, Duke Johnson... Because Duke Johnson didn't immediately take off on that starting uh, role, which he had a chance to, uh, it means that David Johnson will slip right back in. Alrighty. Well, uh, I think that's about it. Thank you so much, everyone in the chat room, for participating, for giving us excellent questions this week. Uh, thank you, Dave, for uh, you know, yeah, joining me. Tell them about the website, Jason. So please make sure you go to drink5.com, where you can see all of our weekly articles, Dave's rankings, my statistically insignificant uh, fun little breakdown of stuff on Monday. You can check out the rookie report every uh, week. You can check out the confidence picks every week. Um, you know, we're going to throw up uh, some of the stuff that we discussed tonight on there. You can always find your way yeah. to the uh, podcast <laughs> from there. Please go to YouTube and subscribe to Drink 5 on YouTube so that we can have more subscribers and do more things on YouTube. And go to uh, Twitter, subs- uh, follow us, at Drink5. Go to Instagram, at Drink5 as well, I assume. And, uh, <laughs> you know, these are all uh, great ways for you to communicate with us, for us to communicate with you. Thanks. Cheers. Cheers, everybody. Cheers.